If you would like our free newsletters on various religious topics, just send us an email at cdebater at aol.com and free newsletters will be sent to you by mail. Just provide your postal address in your email. The following are samples of some of the newsletters we have available. Does God Believe in Atheists? Part 1 Seventh-day Adventism True or False? The Agony of Deceit The Origins of Muhammad's Religion Spiritual Warfare Are Psychic Mediums Communicating with Ghosts or Demonic Spirits? Testimony to the Eternal Godhead, the Trinity. From Tradition to Truth, a Priest's Story. An Evaluation of the Oneness Pentecostal Movement. Mormonism, Counterfeit Christianity. Turn or Burn. Jehovah's Witnesses, Deceived Deceivers. Links to these newsletters can also be found at our website www.biblequery.org Once on the home page, simply click on the menu icon at the upper left-hand corner. Then click on the Newsletters button. Feel free to print them out. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Establishing the authentic gospel in the context of my own life as a destitute sinner in Catholicism and in the priesthood. This is my purpose to show the glory of God's true gospel. The most eventful thing in my life was in 1972. I was nine years a priest. I was visiting a family in Port of Spain, Trinidad, West Indies, and somehow I slipped on concrete steps and fell down many steps, and I damaged the back of my skull and my back spine. It was so serious that I was taken to hospital unconscious, and I was to remain unconscious for three days. When I did again regain consciousness, I was in horrendous physical and mental pain. And it was really difficult, not only to get out of the hospital, but then when I had to go into a nursing home to be cared for, it was many months before I really regained an equilibrium in life. And my great desire then was to know the authentic gospel, to know how one is right with God. Because I had the conviction that had I died, I would not have been with the Lord. And this was in spite of the fact that I had boasted what good priest I was, and as a good Catholic, I boasted I had never committed a serious sin in my life. I had no peace with God or no confidence that I would have gone to the Lord had I died. And so I started searching the scriptures. Now we will say, well, no big deal. It was a big deal for me because I was not brought up in the scriptures. I was brought up praying to Mary and the Rosary, praying to the saints, devotions, and the sacraments, Roman Catholicism in Dublin, Ireland, and with the Jesuits for all my education. And then I went into the Dominican seminary, and I studied for eight years 
First year was entirely devotionals, meditations, rituals, lives of the saints. Entirely devotional. And then we began three years of philosophy, the philosophy of Aristotle. I can still give you Aristotle in Latin, many of his sayings. We memorized Aristotle, a pagan, 300 years before Christ. We studied all the philosophies, the famous philosophies of the world. I finished with a thesis on Hinduism. Three years utter the thought of man. And then the next four years was to be the massive thomes of Thomas Aquinas. We devoured the great theologian of the Catholic Church, Thomas Aquinas, who was based on scripture, tradition, the popes, the councils, and Aristotle. That was his basis of truth, or so-called basis of truth. We did not study scripture. We studied ecclesiology, church history, and many other subjects. A minor was introduction to some books of the Bible. But much worse was redaction criticism, higher criticism, and form criticism. We studied how the Bible had evolved, according to German philosopher theologians like Rudolf Bultmann, to demythologize, to take the myth out of the Bible. And it was horrendous teachings. It must put you off ever wanting to read scripture. So when I said I started to study the scriptures, this is the grace of God. For somebody brought up the way I was brought up. Somehow, by God's grace, I knew that herein is the power of God in the written word, the Christ said, thy word is truth. Paul said, all scriptures breathe out by God. And somehow I desire to read the word of God. That was the first major turning point in my life. And I began reading particularly Ephesians chapter one and two. Why? I don't know the grace of God. And it was, again, that the Lord turned on the spotlight on Revelation to me. Because there in Ephesians 1 and 2, I saw the position of salvation. In my Bible, I underlined where it said, in him, in whom, in Christ, 42 times in the first two chapters. Salvation is in Christ. I read the other epistles, Paul's own testimony that I might be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is after law, but that which is in Christ by faith. I saw that salvation is in Christ. For me, salvation had been in the human heart. We were told that we were inherently righteous by baptism and that we continued to have grace poured into our heart to grow in sanctification. And here the scripture was saying, it's in Christ. It was revelation to me. At the same time, I began listening to the radio. Billy Graham, many evangelists from England and the United States listening to radio messages. I sent to England and I sent to America and got tracts pamphlets on what evangelicals were saying. For the most part, it was like Catholicism. It was accept Jesus into your heart. It was to do some sort of a commitment or some sort of a, some sort of a decision. And it was really difficult because here I was groaning, not just with Catholicism, but I was groaning with the evangelicals. And I would wrestle between what the scripture said. I read 1 John and the Gospel of John, and everlasting life is always in the Son. This is the testimony. Chapter 5 of 1 John, that everlasting life is in him. It was consistent. Right through the apostles and Paul, especially, salvation is in the person of Christ. 
and you wrestle with that when you come up against Catholicism and many of the modern evangelicals. So this was my search and my longing, my longing to be right with God. And I had done everything I thought to deserve salvation already. Before going into the priesthood, I had memorized the famous Pius XII, the Pope after the war, his encyclical mystical body of Christ. I still know it by heart what he said about salvation. Great mystery this and source of unending contemplation that the salvation of many should depend on the prayers and sacrifices of the members of the mystical body of Christ offered for this intention. A great mystery that salvation depends on prayers and sacrifices. And I decided to live that. It went hand in hand with what Mary was supposed to have said at the apparitions, particularly Fatima. Mary was supposed to have said, many souls go to hell because there's nobody to pray or do sacrifices for them. So I was going to sacrifice. In the cold winters in Dublin, Ireland, when I was training for the priesthood, I would take showers in the cold of winter and like your bones would really crack with the cold coming down on you. I offer up my pain with the sufferings of Christ to deserve salvation. I walked with little, little pebbles in my shoes to feel pain when I walked. And then I got permission from the master of students to have a little steel whip where I flagellated myself. So the saints did of old. They did it unto blood. I only did it till I couldn't bear it anymore. I try to deserve salvation. And it never brought any peace with God. But that was my desire, was to somehow know what being right with God was, and I wasn't finding it. But now reading the scriptures, Ephesians chapter 2, for by grace are you saved through, through faith, and that not of you says it is the gift of God. I struggled with that text. How can this be? How can it be the gift of God? I read Romans chapter 3, being justified freely by his grace. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. How can this be? And the huge, huge barrier that came up every time I read these texts was what it said at Vatican Council II, the documents. I had been in Rome while the council was still meeting I saw one of the sessions as it finished and the prelates, the cardinals, and the bishops pouring out into the square, 3,000 of them. I saw that with my own eyes. This was Catholicism meeting in session, and they produced documents. And now, when I, after 72, I was reading these documents, and it was... I was searching, as I searched to know the scriptures, I was searching to see just how it was that the Catholic Church was saying how we are right with God. Reading the exact words of Vatican Council II, the quite well-known Gaudium et Spes document, Quotation, man has been wounded by sin. He finds by experience that his body is in revolt. His very dignity requires that he should glorify God in his body and not allow it to serve the evil inclinations of his heart. When he is drawn to think about his real self, he turns to those deep recesses of his being, where God who probes the heart awaits him and where he himself decides his own destiny in the sight of God. Man decides his own destiny. 
how tempting that was to desire and then to decide on your own destiny. It was a huge struggle. And then when I listened to the evangelists like Billy Graham, he was saying the same thing, but in different words. Make your decision. This beautiful, wonderful evening in this great stadium and make a historic decision of your life. And it was really grievous to me. Some of that used to affect me in the stomach. I would really be nauseated when I heard and I said, these are evangelists. These, the tracks were the same thing. You have to, you have to decide. It was the same thing. And here's the Catholic Church telling me that man decides his own destiny in the sight of God. I really struggled. How can I find the true gospel? How can I be right with God? How can I know, how can I know what it is to have peace with God? And it was a difficult, difficult road. More and more I went back to Ephesians chapter 2 and besides chapter 1, but especially the first verse, and you being dead in trespasses and sins. I mean, how clearer can you get? The Holy Spirit through Paul is telling people of the condition of man, spiritually dead. The same apostle, the Holy Spirit, speaking through him, said, there's none righteous, no, not one. Not even me, there's none righteous. Uh, this I was really groaning over. Spiritually dead. How can a person be spiritually dead? What hope is there for people who are spiritually dead? The hope is there in the same chapter too that God demonstrates how great he is being just and then it is by grace through faith and not of works that we are saved. But I was wrestling. Now that was back in the 70s and 80s and it's, uh, it's much worse today and I say these things and I want to document it so that you have the exact words. The new catechism of the Catholic Church declares it in even stronger terms than it did back then. Paragraph 2010, the New Catechism. Moved by the Holy Spirit and by charity, we can then merit for ourselves and others the graces needed for our sanctification, for the increase of grace and charity, and for the attainment of eternal life. We can merit for these things and for the attainment. You can merit. You can be good enough to get there, get eternal life. This is the official teaching of the Catholic Church. And the Catholic Church gives this official teaching of the definition of grace. Paragraph 2021, quotation, grace is the help God gives us to respond to our vocation of becoming his adopted sons. It introduces us into the intimacy of the Trinitarian life. Grace is the help. God is reduced to being a help that you use, you respond to, so it presupposes you're good enough to use. And then I went back to scripture. For God so loved the world. This seems to show that God is graciousness. It's God so loved the world. Being justified freely by his grace is his action. It's who our God is. 
And the Catholic Church has reduced him to be a mere tool, like a man would use his black and decker power drill, or woman would use a frying pan to cook an egg for her husband. It's been reduced to being a mere tool or aid. I struggled with that, but it wasn't as clear as it is today, the difference. This is the Catholic teaching. Grace is the help God gives to us. The real sad thing, again, it's true of evangelicalism. What's called free will decisions of man. You're free to come forward, sign the card, walk the aisle, and then you're in, you're a Christian. We may call you a carnal Christian, but you have to make Christ your Lord just as you did and Savior. We don't make him either. It's really sad that what the Catholic Church says is true for many modern evangelicals as well. And I struggled with this. Part of my own search was not just ridding myself of Catholicism, but it was to be rid of the false message of evangelicalism, or so-called evangelicalism. And it was then that I saw that I really had to really get serious with God. It went on through the years, this search, and the agony of the search. It was after 13 years and eight months that I finally, finally came to the position that I was to, to know how I was to really be right with God. I literally got on the floor of my rectory and I got down on my knees and I prayed to God in heaven. I said, God, I pray that you would show me that I am spiritually dead. Show me that there's no, there's no good in me. Show me that there's none righteous and that I have nothing whereby I can in any way hope or salvation in anything in myself. Show me that I'm spiritually dead. And God in heaven, show me that it's by your graciousness, your grace, that I could be right in Christ. Give me your grace that I may be in him accepted in Christ. And then I said, God in heaven, give me the faith to believe this because it says in Ephesians that it is your gift. Give me the faith to believe all of this. And then I began to make a profession of faith and I said, yes, Father in heaven, I believe in Christ and him alone. I believe in his perfect life. I believe in his perfect sacrifice. I believe that he died for sinners such as me. I thank and praise you, Father, that I will be in him now and for all eternity. To the praise and glory of your grace. And literally, I went on to the floor of the house and I began crying for about 10, 15 minutes. It wasn't until the following day that I really sensed that God had answered the prayer and my profession had been genuine and true, that I had found the authentic gospel. I knew the joy unspeakable and full of glory. From those early days after the Lord gloriously saved me, it was only to be two months, I could not hear confessions anymore. I could not have people come and whisper their sins in my ear. I could not do the prayers to Mary and a whole lot of the other things. I continued to say the Mass, but wrestled. It was really difficult. Some people were listening, others were reporting me to the Archbishop, and it was 
really, really difficult, but not like the years of search. Now I had peace with God. And finally I saw that I could not continue, I could not continue in this, I could not continue to do the rituals, I could not continue, I had to leave. And again I got on my face before God and I prayed to him that he would give me a love for Catholics, a love for people that I could share the true gospel with them that I had found and that I would always have a love like unto Christ's own love for the lost and that he would look after me. I was discovering what Paul had said to whereby the Spirit testifies to our spirit that we are children of God whereby we cry out Abba Father. Now I was not just praying to God in heaven, I was praying, Abba, Father, look after me. I left and I only had pocket money because I was not taking any church money to buy my ticket to leave. And I only reached the little island of Barbados near to Trinidad where I prayed to God for American money and I prayed to God for Western clothes. I only had tropical clothes and sandals. And it was the middle of winter, November 1985. The Lord supplied those things and I finally reached Canada, Vancouver, and then came across the border into America. And God was with me, my Abba Father with me, and the same joy Okay, I'm practically penniless. I don't even have a, a billfold, let alone any cards in my billfold. I don't have, you know, I have six months visa, but I have my Abba Father looking after me and I have the gospel of grace. And it was such a joy while having nothing, at the same time having everything, to have the gospel of grace. And I stayed with a couple on their farm and I started to study the scriptures. And I just saw what transition I had made, the difference. And this is where I think that we have to be emphatic just what the, what the gospel of grace is. I kept now reading Romans 3 so much that I had memorized it just in reading it. But now the righteousness of God is manifest, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto and upon them that believe. Romans 3 Chapter 20, 21, 22. The righteousness of God, man, it's demonstrated, it's seen, it's obvious. And that's the way it has got to be in the present day world. Not hid, it's obvious. The righteousness of God. The absolute perfection of a life lived under God. That is the story of Christ Jesus' life. Perfect life. Perfect sacrifice. The righteousness of God is manifest. Christ's life is manifest as the Savior, the one who fulfilled all righteousness. It's seen, it's obvious. That's what we speak about at the supermarket. That's what we speak about at the checkout counter. That's what we speak about when we meet friends and when we email people. That it is obvious a perfect life has been lived, a perfect righteousness. And that righteousness can rest on you 
It's unto and upon all them that believe. The wonder of God's grace, the wonder and might and power of God's grace that is there demonstrated and is for us to really have in our heart and in our life. Verse 24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Being declared righteous freely, utterly grace. Being declared to be right before God. To use the other words of Paul and the Colossians, you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. You're right before God. You're justified. The glory of that, what it is to stand in Christ's righteousness, clothed in his robes, perfect before God legally, how can you pray when you pray in Jesus' name? You're praying in his righteousness. The power we have that our prayers will be answered. The glory of what it is to know the true gospel. And we know what is the power of the gospel in prayer then. Because we stand clothed in his righteousness. We pray in Jesus' name. The glory of what that means. Through the redemption, it was free, it is free to us, but he paid it all through his perfect life and his perfect sacrifice. It was paid for by the glorious, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is the wonder of the gospel, and that is the, the heart, mind, and soul of what we have to have to share with others the, the wonder of who he is, the wonder of the might and power of him. I began in those six months where I was staying on a farm in Yakima, Washington, to see that in actual fact what I had discovered was in fact what the reformers had rediscovered at the time of the Reformation. It was the same thing. What had been there in the early church, in the scriptures, and what the reformers had discovered. What did they discover? That salvation is based on the scripture alone. It is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, unto God only be the glory. Men, women, and children at the time of the Reformation could give you the five principles. Salvation is on the authority of Scripture alone, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, and to God alone is the glory and praise. I saw that this was just the same crystal clear gospel that had been there at the time of the Reformation. And this is what I now desired. I pray then that the Lord would give me a helpmate that would equally be sold out to the gospel. And this was a prayer again for God's grace because I still did not have much. I didn't even have a tie. I had no suit. I had a jacket that was too big for me, given by the man on the farm. And it was, you know, I, I wasn't, I had no money. <laughs> and here am I praying for a wife. But God is gracious. He provided a wife, gloriously saved, knowing Christ, desiring to see the gospel given to others, pleasant in manner, and whom the Lord convicted that she should marry. <laughs> this this uh, poor creature didn't have much to his name except he had love for the gospel. 
but we did get married and the very few came to the wedding. None of my family, of course, would come from Ireland, but a few sheep turned up to, besides the few other people with uh, way out on a farm that the pastor came to marry us. But there's still, it was the 4th of July and there were celebrations coast to coast in the United States. So, uh, I got mar we got married and we went to Atlanta to get jobs. And then we came to Charles Stanley's First Baptist Church where we found a reformed man who was one of the Sunday school teachers. And he went over the doctrines of grace with me. And this was wonderful to get things, things again crystal clear. To be taught the doctrines of grace clearly. And I said, this is what I was searching for. This is what those evangelists and those tracks because they were not the doctrines of grace. They were teaching man's way. And it was just remarkable. And then the Lord, by his grace, put a call on our hearts to go to China of all places. In 1988, going into the eventful 1989, we went to China, Shenzhen, in southern China. We taught on the college. It was just amazing. Here am I now with my Bible and the grace of God and beginning to explain to some young men, one at the college and one outside the college, and see two young men come to salvation. It was just unbelievably real. To see their life utterly changed. It was absolutely devastatingly real to see the power of God working and to see the utter grace of God. And it was a year at Tiananmen Square and we saw then students give up communism and ask us what our philosophy was and others come really close to salvation and some who came we got letters later on smuggled out through Hong Kong that some had come to salvation afterwards. It was just amazing. We came back to the States and I went to one-year Bible college and I experienced again evangelicalism. This was not a reform college and I did not know as a reform person you should only go to a, a Doctors of Grace seminary but it was really difficult. The common teaching of accept Jesus into your heart, the misuse of the text in Revelation chapter 3, 20 and 21, behold, I stand in the door and knock. If anyone hear my voice and invite me and I will come in and sup with him and he with me. A sanctification text where he's speaking to the people, the church at Laodicea, who are neither hot nor cold, it's wonder that God graciously desires to sanctify us. But Christ is not standing cap in hand begging to get into the unsaved heart. Misused by evangelists, I came back to this world and it was very difficult. It was really difficult. And if it was bad way back then, it is even worse today. This was before the mega churches came in and before the emerging church came in with all its hoopla and mysticism and direct contact with God and all that it offers. This was before all of these seeking for your true image and your true self and your self-identity and all this stuff. It is much worse today. And this is where we have to come in with the authentic gospel. I keep reading up to this morning from my devotionals and last night, Ephesians chapter 5, where sin had abounded, grace had much more abounded. That we might reign in righteousness through the righteousness of Christ unto everlasting life, that very last verse that we might reign with Christ. 
in righteousness that is his. That we would have the gospel message to give to others. And this is my plea to you that we would know the very power of God that is in the gospel to give to others. That we would share the gospel with others. It's one thing to have it, it's another thing to share it. Before I came here today, I was speaking again to the man who was doing the carpet just outside the door at the hotel. He's on the floor. Stuart is his name. I said to him just before coming here, I said, if I bring you a Bible, will you read it? He said, I will. Yesterday, he told me on the floor that he was had been a Jehovah Witness. His mother was a Jehovah. He said, I've given up religion. I said, so have I. <laughs> I said, we believe on a person and his perfect finished work. And I started to explain to Stuart. And he seemingly is interested. We pray for divine appointments. I was coming back once from New York, speaking there. My wife phoned me from... Texas and said, Richard, I'm praying for a divine appointment on the airplane. I said, Lynn, I'm praying to get a rest. I'm worn out. <laughs> and I was sitting in the plane and over against the window because a big corporate American businessman and he's on his cell phone and he's talking to everybody. We take off and when we're in the air, he takes out his laptop and man, this is, this guy is going places with all his stuff, you know. And, I take two cups of coffee and I feel none better to <laughs> say anything to him. So it becomes quiet and I see a black stewardess and I go and talk to her about being right with God. And she says she goes to a black Pentecostal church but she doesn't know who Christ is. And man, better than any coffee, I get whipped up and I explain who Christ is to her. And I come back and I sit down beside the businessman and I say, did you see me talking to the stewardess? He said, I did. Well, let me tell you what I said to her. <laughs> and I tell him about who Christ is and his righteousness and how we are all dead in sin. And how we, we need, and I go on for about 10 minutes. He puts up his finger. He said, one question. He said, do you think God is on my case? And I said, why do you ask? He said, you see this tract? And I looked at it. He said, the lady in the middle seat over there, she gave me that as I got on the plane. <laughs> and now you tell me all of this. Is God on my case? And I said, yes, I think God is on your case. I gave him the gospel, and it was like the Lord was opening it up to him. I will be surprised if I do not see him in the kingdom to come. Myself and my wife pray for divine appointments. We have people at our church who pray for divine appointments. I think as pastors and leaders, we teach our people to go out each day. It's not the great request. It's the great commission. It's not, I would that you went out. It's go ye to all creatures. Give the gospel. It's a commandment. I look at my wife's hair when she comes back from the hairdresser and I've only been wrong three times in all these 23 years. If I see a big gash going out of this side, I know she really told them they were dead and sins. <laughs> I know that we pray and we see God open. I've seen people saved in everyday life. And I've seen it in people at our church. I plead with you that we not only know the authentic gospel, but that this is our heart's desire to share it. And when we share it, God is faithful, and we see many souls saved to the praise of the glory of his grace. Amen and amen. Praise God. If you would like a free newsletter on this or other subjects, just give us a call at Christian Answers. The phone number is area code 512-218-8022. That's 512-218-8022. Or you could email us at cdebater 
at AOL.com. That's cdebater at AOL.com. Thank you. Hello, this is Larry Wessels, Director of Christian Answers of Austin, Texas, Christian Debater Ministries. I'm pleased to introduce to my audience a dear brother in the Lord, Richard Bennett, Director of Berean Beacon Ministries, an outreach to Roman Catholics. It is great to be here, Larry. For people that don't know you, you were a Roman Catholic priest for 22 years. Is that right? Please give us a short account of your life. Yes, I was a Catholic priest for 22 years. I was a Catholic altogether for 48 years, having grown up in Dublin, Ireland. I was trained uh, very early on in my education, in what we call secondary and elementary education, uh, by the Jesuits. And then I decided to become a Catholic priest, and I spent eight years in preparation it was a novitiate year and then six years to ordination when I was ordained a priest in Dublin, Ireland in 1963 and then one year in Rome, eight years in all. Then I spent uh, 21 years in uh, Trinidad, West Indies as a parish priest carrying out the the work of a priest. I had the best academic training you could get finishing up in the city of Rome itself near the Vatican and I I really had a desire to bring Catholics to uh, what we thought was a way of being right with God so that they could get to purgatory and then that they finally could get to heaven. And I was great for doing penances and sacrifices. And then I was very devout in Trinidad, uh, baptizing babies, hearing people's confessions and doing all the sacraments. It was in 1972, I had a very serious accident where I was three days unconscious after the serious accident. And then after that time, when I got out of the hospital and the sanatorium, I began searching in the Bible for what is truth. It took me 14 years of comparing the Bible to Catholicism before I realized that I was dead in trespasses and sins and it was by grace alone that we are saved. I One night I got on the floor in my house and I cried out to God for faith and his grace to save a wretch like me, dead in trespass and sins, and he gloriously did that. It was about two months afterwards. I very reluctantly left the Catholic Church because my prayer after I was right with God by biblical salvation was that I could really love Catholics and give them the real true gospel of grace. That is grace alone, faith alone, and in Christ alone. But then in prayer over those two months after I was saved, the Lord showed me that I could best serve him and love Catholics if I left actually the priesthood and the Catholic Church and reached out to Catholics nonetheless. And um, I, I did that. I left uh, the priesthood in 1985 and uh, reached the States in 1986. And uh, I, um, I just prayed and prayed that I would have a love for Catholics to reach out. I thank the Lord that after one year as a missionary in China, I was able to start the ministry that I now have called BereanBeacon.org. It is to show Catholics the real truth of where salvation is in a person, not in any church. And it is by God's grace, not by any ritual that any church does. So this has been really wonderful. I've seen priests save. I saw two priests in Poland, you know, through our ministry. We have a Polish webpage, besides many other languages, and of course in English. And I thank God that I have seen God's grace poured out, and that is my heart's desire, Larry, that Catholics would know the truth, and that evangelicals in this very false ecumenical age would see the differences. Uh, I have a very interesting article on the webpage, uh, Are Catholics Christians? And we've had tremendous response to that, evangelicals whose eyes have been opened in reading that article. So it's with love for Catholics and to show the truth of Christ Jesus, that God will be glorified and many, many souls saved, particularly Catholics, to the glory of his name. Outstanding. That was a wonderful testimony, Richard. Uh, 
could you just real briefly tell us about the, you've written some books and you've already mentioned your ministry, but what are these books you've written and how can people find them? Yes, I have written or edited, uh, written some and edited others and uh, they have been amazing. I just thank God. Uh, Our most well-known book is Far From Rome, Near to God, The Testimonies of 50 Converted Catholic priest since 1994 that book has sold steadily across the world in English and in other languages and uh, it's on the third edition now and uh, the other book that has my heart really displayed and my love for Catholics is the book I've written about Catholicism called Catholicism East of Eden Insights into Catholicism for the 21st Century this book is uh, published by Banner of True Trusts, like the uh, book of the 50 testimonies of former priests. And um, I thank God for that because the Lord has used that book and it brought many Catholics to himself by that book. Uh, the other book that my heart was in in editing together with Mary Hertel is a book called The Truth Set Us Free, 20 former nuns tell their stories and that book has been used mightily of the Lord as well and I thank God for those women most of whom are still alive and active in reaching out to Catholics themselves and it is just a wonderful testimony of God's grace and the the other book I've written is called On the Wings of Grace Alone I've edited that and that is just 30 ordinary Catholics and uh, what we call lay Catholics, and how the Lord brought them to salvation. That is an amazing book, too. How can you obtain these books? Well, go to our webpage, bereanbeacon.org, and just go to the folder on the left-hand side, Books, and when you click on that, it gives all the details of how you can get those books. Outstanding. Well, Richard, uh, we're going to go into uh, showing people your videos now here across uh, particularly our audience on YouTube, but uh, many people don't know that you and me go to the same church here in Austin, Texas. So it gives me a special opportunity to be around you a lot just so we can do ministry work. But anyway, I want to thank you for allowing us to post your videos uh, on the Internet through YouTube and other Internet servers. You praise God and may souls be saved and the Lord glorified. Amen and amen. Amen. If you like our YouTube channel, please subscribe by clicking on the subscribe button and then by also clicking the bell above to get an automatic update whenever we produce another YouTube video for our See Answers TV channel. Please share our videos with your friends and relatives. May God bless you. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what is done for Christ will last. See related videos by tapping or clicking screens.